0: Merry Christmas. It really is the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And it's not because of reindeer that dance or because of snowmen that sing. Christmas definitely isn't wonderful because of figgy pudding or moments spent under the mistletoe. Christmas is wonderful because we have been given the greatest gift of all time, a baby born in a manger. You know, when the angels made their pronouncement that night over Bethlehem so long ago, This is what they said. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is Carol McLeod, your host, and I hope you'll join me every weekday from now until Christmas as we celebrate this season in a joyful, holy, and meaningful way. And may I just say it one more time, Merry Christmas. The first recorded words of God in the Bible are found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And in that moment, darkness had to flee. In that moment, God announced himself into the void that would become earth and all that we know today. God said, Let there be light. You know, it's later in the creation story that God actually created the sun, the moon, and the stars. So why in Genesis 1-3 did God say, let there be light? Why were those first recorded words? Well, I believe it was because he was announcing his presence under the darkness, under the face of the deep. God said, here I am. And then About 2,000 years ago, God made another exciting announcement that was to echo through the epochs of time. Oh, by 2,000 years ago, now God had been busy. He had parted the Red Sea with a man named Moses. He had had a little boy named David shoot a bullseye on the head of the giant Goliath. God had done extraordinary works through his people, but there was a problem. Sin separated God from the object of his love. Sin had created a chasm that the law Was unable to cross. So, about 2,000 years ago, God made another proclamation. God sent his angels to sing over creation let there be joy. In that night, that dark, lonely night over the cold fields of Bethlehem, an angel chorus announced the birth of a baby boy named Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. The angels could announce joy because Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. But you know, the Christmas story doesn't actually start in that field where the shepherds were keeping watch by night. It actually began in the house of a priest and his wife by the name of Elizabeth. So as we begin this new Christmas devotional, let there be joy, it really doesn't start in a manger. It doesn't start in a field. It doesn't start while wise men were following the star. But the foundation of this Christmas story is found in Luke chapter one, verse five. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Verse six. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Let's stop right there for just a minute today. What a beautiful way to be described in the Bible. Let, Let me read it to you one more time. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. You know, if the Holy Spirit were going to describe my life, Or your life for all of history to read about, I wonder what would be said about us. Well, we know what the Holy Spirit declared about Elizabeth and Zacharias. They were both righteous in the sight of God. When God looked at the lives of Elizabeth and Zachariah, he saw two righteous human beings, he saw a man and a woman who had determined to live righteously before the Lord all the days of their lives. They had decided that their priority in life was to please the Lord with their daily decisions. They had decided that their lives were going to be a reflection of the truth and the commandments that were found in scripture. What have you decided about your life? Have you determined, like Elizabeth and Zacharias, that you're going to live righteously in the sight of the Lord? You know, As we make this determinant, so many of us are short-sighted. So many of us determine that we're going to live to make money, that we're going to live to fill up our passport, that we're going to live to have a dream home or two or three. But let me tell you, Christmas is a time that reveals our determined priorities. What are your priorities? Have you determined that you will live rightly before the Lord all the days of of your life. The reason this might be a good decision for you to ponder is because God trusts righteous people with great blessings. When God sees a man or a woman who have determined to live righteously all the days of their lives, God says, I'm on it. Blessings are are on their way. Blessings are coming to the home of these people who have determined to live righteously. Do you remember what James 5.16 says? It says, the prayer of the righteous man avails much. That means when you're in right standing with God, that your prayers are going to get the job done. Your prayers are going to go straight to the throne room of God. Proverbs 10.30 tells this about a righteous person. The righteous will never be shaken. Listen, when you have determined to live your life righteously in the sight of the Lord, you're going to have a strength and a stability that other people do not have. Now, living a righteous life meant one thing to Elizabeth and Zechariah because they lived before the birth of Jesus Christ. What it meant to them is they had to live every Every day, by the truth and the commandments found in the Ten Commandments that God had given to mankind. To you and I, living righteously means something quite different. Do you know what it means for us to live righteously today? It means to accept Jesus Christ into our hearts. It means that our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. It means that we have asked for forgiveness of our sins. Yes, my friend, this Christmas season, that is what it means. If you want to live like Elizabeth and Zachariah did, then you will pray one simple prayer. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Will you forgive me of my sins? And will you live in my heart forever? And with that prayer, you will be known in the same category with the same reputation as Elizabeth and Zechariah, you will be seen as righteous in the sight of the Lord. And then Hebrews chapter two, verse four tells us something else about righteous people. The righteous live by faith. Listen, when you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you have begun an entirely new way of living. No longer do you live according to your circumstances or what you see in the natural, but now you live by faith in the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 tell us that Elizabeth and Zechariah were righteous, that they walked blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but still they had no child. What happened to their heartfelt prayers? What happened to God blessing them at their moment in history? This is what Luke chapter one, verse seven tells us, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Now the name Elizabeth means God is my oath. Do you know what that translates to us today? Elizabeth believed. Even though her arms were empty month after month, year after year, decade after decade, Elizabeth stayed in a place of faith. Elizabeth continued to believe even when in the natural, it was impossible for her to conceive and bear a child. You know, we all have to wait for something, don't we? Elizabeth and Zacharias, well, they were waiting for a baby. And yet they continued to walk blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. I want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what you've prayed for, but I want to encourage you not to be impatient with God. You can trust him. Keep doing the right things. Keep praying fervently. Keep good heart attitudes. You see, Elizabeth was not ruled by her circumstances, but her faith always had the last word in her life. So although they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, Elizabeth maintained the identity that her name communicated. God is my oath. As you consider who you are this year at Christmas time and what your prayers are, I hope that you'll learn from the life of Elizabeth and and Zacharias and that you'll stay in a place of faith and that you'll continue to believe God even when you don't see it in the natural, that you'll stay in a place of faith knowing that God is a good God and he hears the prayers of his children. Elizabeth and Zacharias were righteous. They had lived their whole lives for the Lord, and yet still their nursery was empty. Still their arms had never felt the thrill of holding a newborn baby. Why hadn't God answered their prayers? Why hadn't God sent them a baby to fill the nursery in their priestly home? Let's read in Luke chapter 1. Verse 8. Now it happened that while Zacharias was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias standing to the right of the altar of incense and Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. Let's stop right there. It was Zacharias's turn to go into the holy place, to burn incense before the Lord, and the whole congregation, all of the people that attended their temple were waiting outside. They were waiting outside in prayer as Zacharias prayed inside the holy place. And while Zacharias was in there that particular day, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And of course, verse 12 tells us that Zacharias was troubled. He was upset. He didn't know what in the world was happening. And when he saw the angel, he was gripped by fear. Have you ever been gripped by fear? Your mouth gets dry. You can't breathe. Your heart is pounding out of your chest and adrenaline is rushing. Zacharias didn't know what was about to rock his world. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife will bear you a son and you will give him The name John. The angel brought a message of heaven to the heart and the life of this ordinary man, Zacharias, who had chosen to live righteously. The angel said, Zacharias, your petition has been heard. After all these years, your heartfelt prayers are about to be answered by the God of the universe. I don't know what you've been praying for, but I can tell you this. Learn a lesson from the priest Zacharias. Don't give up. Don't ever give up, knock and keep right on knocking. You see, God is the God of eternity, not of the temporary. I've heard it said that God is not a microwave God. He's a crockpot God. And at the right moment in your life, you can trust that your petition has been heard and God's answer is on its way to your life. I don't know what you've been praying, for or what you've been waiting for, but learn from the lives of Elizabeth and Zacharias. Wait well. Do you remember that the name Elizabeth meant God is my oath? That means she believed. She believed what she did not see by sight. I picture this Elizabeth, this Elderly woman. She should have been a great grandmother by now, but she's about to give birth to her first baby. I wonder what she was doing for all of those decades while she was waiting. Well, I have an idea that she might have been making baby blankets, she might have been preparing herself for what God was preparing for for her. So whatever you're waiting for today, whatever you're praying for this Christmas season, wait well and walk in faith. Keep knitting those baby blankets. When diapers are on sale, go out and buy some. It might seem like you haven't heard from God in 400 years, but your petition has been heard and the answer is, is on its way. Your day of destiny is just around the corner. But the angel said to Zacharias, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, And you will give him the name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Well, isn't that the truth? The angel said, Zacharias, you're about to experience the most joy you can ever have this side of heaven. What did the angel say to Zacharias in the temple that day? The angel said, Zacharias, let there be joy. Into your darkness, heaven declares joy. Into your years of waiting, God declares joy. Into your years of unanswered prayers and petitions, God is declaring joy today. And then the angel told Zacharias this, For John, your son, will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's not going to be an ordinary boy. There's going to be something extraordinary about your son, John. And he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the Spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous as to make a people prepared for the Lord. The angel told the elderly Zacharias, you're about to have an extraordinary young man. Your son is going to make a difference at his moment in history. Listen, when God answers our prayers, it's beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. His ways are higher than our ways. His plans are infinitely greater than our plans. So don't give up. Keep being righteous. Keep praying. Stand in faith. Keep believing God because God is about to declare, let there be extraordinary joy over your life. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now you have to love Zacharias. He's walking by sight at this moment in history. He's been visited by an angel from heaven's glory. And yet Zacharias insists on reminding this angel of what's going on in the boundaries of planet earth. Isn't that just like you and just like me? That we have this propensity. We have this knack for reminding God of what's going on in our circumstances. It's a waste of breath. I'm telling you today, you don't need to tell God what you see by sight. God wants you to listen to what he sees by faith the angel answered and said to Zacharias, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at the delay in the temple. They were all outside praying and they weren't used to praying that long. They thought, "What's taking Zacharias so long? We hope he's okay But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. So John had to begin to speak in sign language because he had not believed. He was therefore unable to communicate what God had said to him. My friend, do not make the mistake that the priest Zacharias did. Believe God, even when you are unable to wrap your human mind around it. And when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. So Elizabeth went into seclusion as soon as she was pregnant. Now, at this time in history, it was not uncommon for pregnant women to go into seclusion when they started to show. But the scripture tells us that she went into seclusion right away. Why would a woman do that? Well, we don't really know, but I have an idea that I'd like to submit to you. I believe that Elizabeth was preparing her heart for God's plan and the preparation took priority over everything else in her life. Elizabeth was preparing her heart for motherhood. It was a time of great thanksgiving and wonder in the life of the elderly Elizabeth as she looked at the tiny blankets and the little gowns that she thought she would never use. I believe that there were tears coursing down her wrinkled, cheeks saying, God, it's a miracle. It's a bona fide miracle. I believe that Elizabeth took time to worship. She changed her lifestyle and spent time preparing for what God had for her. Some things never change. Isn't that a good feeling? It's comfortable to know that some things always stay the same. The voices of children never fail to put a smile on a weary or on an ornery old face. That will never change. Oh, holy night will always send shivers down your holiday spine. That will never change. The things that never change are called traditions. They're called heirlooms. They're called nostalgia. Christmas just wouldn't be Christmas without children pressing their faces against a toy store window without grandma's famous fruitcake and reindeer who outrageously sing and dance. We love the things that never change, but then We're in rapture over the things that do change. Change brings relief and progress and freedom. Aren't you grateful for microwave ovens, cell phones, and snow blowers? Now there's some change I can talk about. I'd like to tell you a story today about someone who refused to change in spite of the need for wholehearted change. Mark and Kim were young and in love. They'd been married only six years and they had two precious little girls, Hannah and Ashley. Mark took the little girls out one evening in December to shop for mommy. There would be nothing expensive that was bought this year on their meager budget, but something meaningful and lovely. The little girls picked out a rhinestone necklace. They thought it was diamonds, but it was really only cheap rhinestones in the shape of a heart for their beloved mommy. On the way home that December night, it started to snow. It started to snow deeply and fully. Visibility was limited, and a teenage driver didn't see the stop sign at the end of Mark and Kim street. Mark's car was broadsided, and Kim was left alone without her handsome young husband, and without her two precious little girls. The teenage driver was devastated. He tried numerous times to apologize, to beg for forgiveness, to pay penance for his mistake, but Kim refused any contact with him. She remained locked in her shell. She rebuffed all of the young man's efforts for communication, forgiveness, or relationship. Kim still went to church. She walked in five minutes late and left five minutes early. The only reason she still went to church was because she believed that her family was in heaven and church was her connection to heaven. She still went to church. That didn't change, but her reason for going had changed. She used to go to church to worship Now she went to weep. She used to go to church to bless the Lord. And now she went to church to blame the Lord. Kim decided to make some changes. So she changed her address. Her two-bedroom ranch house held too many painful memories for her. So Kim moved to a neighboring town. She changed churches. She changed grocery stores and she changed friends. When spring came, Kim knew that she needed to begin to make money, and so she earned her real estate license and began to sell real estate. Kim became a shrewd businesswoman. All of the emotions that she had thrown into being a wife and a mom, now she threw into her business. And as the years passed by, Kim became successful. She became extraordinarily successful. She sold millions and millions of dollars of residential real estate out of her office. Well, 15 years had passed since that horrible night. 15 Christmases, 15 wedding anniversaries, 15 birthdays each for two little girls who would never grow up. Kim shared her heart with no one. She stayed locked inside her business world, helping people find homes. One summer day, a young man and his wife came into her office. They wanted to buy their first home. They were tired of apartment living and had saved for years to buy a home in which to. To raise their family. They had three little ones, two girls and a baby boy. When this young man walked into the office and introduced himself, Kim knew instantly who he was. He was the person who had killed her family. This was the man who had destroyed her life. Kim remained cool, but professional. She tried to gather her thoughts and and began to pull up potential listings on her computer. And after about 10 minutes together, the conversation stopped because the young man too had a moment of emotional revelation. He graciously stood and said, Kim, would it be appropriate if I looked elsewhere for a realtor? She stared at her computer screen, then looked into his eyes eyes that were filled with 15 years of questions and pain. Quietly, Kim said, no, no, I'll help you and your family find a home. It took several weeks to find the right place at the right price. And although the search for the house was difficult, the search for forgiveness was complete. Kim found the young man genuine and caring. His wife, while she was just delightful, and the three children were irresistible to Kim's lonely heart. On the day of the closing, Evan, the young man, invited Kim over for dinner later in the week at their new home. Kim found herself at their front door with housewarming gifts and balloons for the children. After dinner, when Evan's wife was putting the children to bed, Evan walked over to where Kim was seated. He kneeled before her and said, Kim, will you forgive me? I was so young. I had only had my driver's license for a few months. We had just moved the area, and I wasn't familiar with the streets. I didn't know that there was a stop sign at the corner. I had been at basketball practice, and my coach got the phone call that my mother was dying in the hospital, and I was in a hurry. Kim, it's taken me years to forgive myself, but now, will you forgive me? Kim took his face in her hands and said, yes, Evan, yes, I forgive you but will you forgive me, Evan? Will you forgive me for resisting you and ignoring your pain? Well, after that evening, Kim was often a guest in their new home for birthdays and for Thanksgiving. And when Christmas rolled around, the family invited Kim over on the anniversary of her family's death. The children sat on her lap and she read them stories. When Evan's daughter, Gracie, asked about the diamond heart necklace that Kim always wore, Kim told her about her two little girls, Hannah and Ashley, who lived in heaven with their daddy. Gracie threw her arms around Kim's neck and said, I will be your little girl. Will you be my grandma? I don't have a grandma. My grandma lives in heaven with your little girls. Will you be my grandma, Kim? Kim looked at Evan's face and he was smiling. He came over and put his arms around Kim and his daughter. And in that moment, time stood still. You see, after years of pain, nothing had changed. But after years of pain, everything had changed. Nothing would ever bring back Kim's family. That would never change. But where bitterness used to live, now forgiveness had taken up residence. Everything had changed. Kim had a family. She had a new son and a daughter-in-law and grandchildren. Forgiveness had opened the way for change, for blessing, and for love. I'd like to ask you a question. What needs to change in your life today? Have you been holding onto your pain so tightly that you've lost the joy of life? Who do you need to forgive? You see, there's always a blessing when forgiveness is freely given. Forgiveness may not change your past, but it will change your future when that little baby was born so long ago in the manger, Bethlehem had no room for him. Do you, do you have room for him? You know, the Holiday Inn that Jesus and his family were in was a manger. It was a stall filled with manure and mouse droppings and dirty old hay. Maybe it's time for you to make room for him today, to make a change or two in your life, to open up your heart to joy and blessing and forgiveness. There are some things in all of our lives that need to change, but the one thing that will never change for you is God's unconditional love for you. He loves you so much that his only son died in a violent collision at Calvary. He loves you so much that he forgave you, and he wants to take your pain from you and give you his joy. He wants to take the load of bitterness that you have been carrying far too long and replace it with blessing. He wants to relieve you of your questions and be the very best answer that you have ever received. Will you allow the change to come from the one person who never changes? Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Hebrews 13.8. Although your circumstances may change, he remains the same. The God who never changes can make all things new for you because that's what Christmas is all about. That the God who never changes will make all things new for you this Christmas. I hope that today's program reminded you what the heart of Christmas is truly all about. I love spending this time with you, and from my heart to yours, Merry Christmas.